Luke 16, verses 1 to 13, and if you're using the church Bible here, we're on page uh, 1048. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what should I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do when I lose my job here. People will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill and sit down quickly and make it 450. He then asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your will and make it 800. The master was commended for his dishonest... The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. But the people of this wood are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. However, can you be, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly, worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, if you're visiting here this morning, uh, this is your first time. My name's Carl. I'm one of the pastors here and we've been working through some of the parables, some of the stories of Jesus uh, that Jesus tells uh, to reveal to us, to make known to us what it means to live um, the Christian life. And the one that we're looking at this morning uh, that Jeff just read for us is all about money. And I think money is one of the hardest things uh, for us to deal with. No matter how many times you come back to the topic of money and how to live wisely with money, no matter how many times you do it, you keep having to come back to the topic and think about it uh, all over again. Uh, most of us, I think, many of us struggle to know how to use our money wisely. Uh, money is a necessity. We need it. We need it to live, but it can also be this enormous trap that takes control of our lives. Uh, and in the teaching of Jesus that we're looking at today, Jesus wants to help us to understand how we can use uh, our money wisely. Uh, whether you're in primary school uh, and you need to think about what to do with your pocket money uh, or the money that you're earning mowing the neighbour's lawn, uh, or whether you're in high school and you've just started a, a job uh, and you need to think about uh, how you can use that money, whether you're leaving uh, school or uni and heading out into the workforce, whether you've been in the workforce for 20 years, uh, whether you've just hit retirement. 
uh, and you're living off the pension or off uh, superannuation, whatever your circumstances, Jesus has something to say to you and I about how we can use the money that we have uh, to live for God. So let's pray. Let's ask that God would open our hearts to do that and let's get into this parable. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that you are a God who loves us uh, so generously, Lord, that you've made a world in uh, which we can live uh, and you provided us everything that we, we need, uh, not only to live but also to be reconciled to you through the death of Jesus uh, for our sins. And Lord, uh, we want uh, to, to know, having received your grace in Jesus, Lord, we want to know what it means to live for you wisely uh, and full of love, having received your love for us. So Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts uh, today, this morning, so that we can uh, live for you. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. So I'm trying to get our head around this parable. Just imagine for a moment, uh, imagine that you've just got a job at uh, Macca's. Uh, some of you won't need to imagine that. I've talked to a few people recently who are working at Macca's. And so, but imagine that you're working at Macca's or KFC or whatever it is, uh, and you, you've been working there for a bit, but you're pretty lazy. This is no reflection on anyone who may or may not be working there. Uh, But you're pretty lazy, uh, and every now and again you kind of take some of the food. uh, You know, you take some free food. You you don't really work that hard. You take an extra long break. uh, In other words, you're not a very good worker. And so eventually the manager kind of finds out that you're a bit dodgy. And they come to you one day and they say, look, I've heard some some reports about you. You're not a very good worker. I don't have time to talk to you now. But I want, to make an, I want to make a time with you later in the week when you can explain to me what's happened to this food that's gone missing on your shifts uh, and what you've been doing with the time when you're supposed to be working. Uh, we're going to catch up later in the week and you can explain um, what you've been doing. And you realise, oh, look, I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have a good excuse. Uh, I've just, you know, I've, I've been a, I'm a hopeless worker. Uh, and you realise, you see the writing on the wall, you know that you're going to lose your job, and so you think to yourself, well, now is the time to kind of use this position that I have to gain some advantage for the future. Uh, You've got a good uh, few days before you have to give your explanation, and so you think to yourself, well, what I'm going to do is, every time somebody comes into the store to buy a meal, what I'm going to do is I'll say to them, look, you don't have to pay. All right, I'm going to give you this meal for free, but the deal is, that once I lose my job at the end of the week, right, we're friends, you, you can repay the favour. Now, that's pretty dodgy, isn't it? Uh, you know, and, but, you know, hey, while the, make hay while the sun shines. Uh, that's what the person in this parable thinks. But the crazy thing is, Jesus tells a parable about a man who does exactly that, and he says, you and I should be the same. And you think, what on earth is Jesus talking about? This guy is super dodgy. Uh, are we supposed to be like that? Are we supposed to rip off our, uh, our, our manager, uh, the business that we're working for, and kind of just do what suits us? Uh, but Jesus is not uh, asking us to imitate the dodginess of this guy. What he's asking us to do is to imitate the kind of the cleverness of this guy in planning for the future. Now, this guy sees the writing on the wall and so he comes up with a plan for the future. 
And Jesus wants us to do the same. He says, the guy in this parable, uh, he, he thinks about the future and he says, I'm going to make friends who look after me in the future. And Jesus says that those of us who are Christians ought to do the same. We ought to have an eye to the future, but not using our worldly wealth to make friends for this life. You know, people who'll give us a free meal on the other side when we've lost our job. But Jesus says, we want to make friends. We want to use the money that we have in order to make friends for the future, make friends for eternity, Jesus says. Those who will welcome us into heavenly dwellings. Uh, We're not making friends uh, with people who will invite us over for a free dinner, but friends who, when Jesus returns, will say, brother, sister, can I tell you how grateful I am for that generosity that you showed me? So how do we do that? How do you and I think to the future and use the wealth that God has given us to make friends for eternity? I think there are three ways that we can do that. And the first is by using the money that you have to spend, uh, to send and to support people in gospel ministry. Use the money that you have to send and support people uh, in gospel ministry. If you support the ministry of this church, then you're supporting the ministry of the gospel, both to people who don't know it, people in our local area and and even people around the world uh, who don't know the gospel, but you're also supporting the ministry of the gospel to those who do know it, but those who need to be encouraged by the gospel week in and week out. We all, even if we know the gospel, need to keep hearing the gospel so that we can keep living for God, uh, keep loving God, keep rejoicing and delighting in God. And as you support the ministry of the church, you're doing that. Uh, You're supporting that ministry. Uh, Supporting the ministry of this church or any church is not about payment for service. Uh, It's not about payment for for the service that you receive in return, but it's about payment for the service of others. Jesus says, use your worldly wealth for the good of others. Invest so that others benefit Uh, Jesus says, invest for the ministry in the church uh, in order to make friends for eternity, uh, in order that the church might reach people with the gospel uh, and might preach the gospel uh, to those who need to hear it again and again. So we we can use the money that we have to send and support people in gospel ministry here locally. We can also do that internationally. We have uh, four ministry It's a a terrible expression, four ministry units. (laughs) By by that I mean either a single person or a a family on the mission field. Uh, We have uh, four four groups of people overseas uh, or looking to head back overseas that we support. Uh, And when you support those people, you are investing, uh, when you support them financially, you're investing for eternity. And when you support them, you are supporting them in a way that you will not get any return, probably this side of eternity. You may never meet, we, we will almost certainly not meet any of the people uh, who have been converted through the ministry of those that we have sent to the other side of the world. We hear their stories. In some cases, we don't even know their real names because of the security issues around them. We may never meet them this side of eternity, but one day when Jesus returns and we are in the new creation with God and with all God's people, 
one day those people will come up to us and say, brother, sister, we never met, but thank you for your generosity. Thank you that because of your generosity with what God had entrusted to you, thank you that I came to know the gospel. Uh, We need to use our wealth to send and support people in gospel ministry. Of course, we can also use our wealth for ourselves to go into gospel ministry. Uh, I was speaking to someone recently who uh, is involved in uh, gospel work, and I said, to, I said to them, and how do you have supporters? How do you support yourself? And they said, uh, I, I don't have supporters, but we're living off our savings. We're living off money that we saved up. Uh, you could use that money to fund a pleasant retirement, or you could use that money to invest in an eternal future. So we invest, use the money that God has given us to send and support people in gospel ministry. The second way that we can make friends for eternity is by supporting brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need. So often we see in the New Testament the church doing that. They, they find out about Christians in far-off places who are in desperate need and they, they make a collection and they send money to those people. They send money to people that they've never met and, again, that they probably will never meet. A great example of that is in 2 Corinthians. Uh, Chapters 8 and 9 and 2 Corinthians are all about that. And Paul there encourages the church in Corinth to be generous to Christians in Jerusalem who are experiencing a famine. Now, Jerusalem was about the same distance from Corinth as Launceston is from Coffs Harbour. So Coffs Harbour is about an eight-hour drive north of Sydney. Okay, so imagine... that's That's a long way to travel on foot. It's a long way even now by car. Uh, And probably many of us have never visited Coffs Harbour. And it's easier for us to move around. But these people are supporting these Christians in Jerusalem. They've never met. Uh, And Paul says, be generous. We have countless brothers and sisters around the world, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, who are in desperate need, who are starving, who are suffering persecution. And Jesus says that we should use our worldly wealth so that when we enter into eternal dwellings, those people will say to us, we never met, but thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you that you gave me life, physical life, the ability to survive in my situation because of your extraordinary generosity. So we can send and support people in ministry, we can be generous to our brothers and sisters in the world uh, who are suffering. The third way is we can use our worldly wealth to make friends uh, uh, for eternity. We can do that by being generous in order to win people for Christ. Uh, So uh, just as God has shown us extraordinary generosity in sending Jesus uh, so that we can be saved, so too we can use the wealth that God has given us so that we can show generosity to others in the hope that we might win a hearing for the gospel. And we can deal with people's physical needs, but then also say to them, look, you need more than this. Uh, you, need, uh, you need bread to eat, but you also need the bread of life, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We can do that personally, we can do that in our daily life, Uh, in showing generosity to our friends, but also to strangers. Uh, We can do it too by supporting organisations that do that. Organisations like Compassion, where you sponsor a child, and that that sponsorship is in the context of gospel ministry. Uh, 
uh, or local organisations like uh, City Mission. Uh, There are lots of ways that we can use the wealth that God has given us uh, to make friends for eternity. And you hopefully received a sheet on the way in that has some ideas on how you can do that. Uh, There's a number of mission agencies there, like CMS, Pioneers, SIM and AFES. They're all mission agencies uh, that you can support. Uh, There are things like Barnabas Fund, where you can support uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering throughout the world. Uh, And there are things like World Transformed Compassion and City Mission, where you can use your money in order to perhaps gain uh, a hearing for the gospel. But I encourage you to go away and to think and to pray. If you're not supporting any missionaries or any mission agencies or any work amongst persecuted believers or any work amongst the poor directly, then I would encourage you to go away and to look at that list and to think about how you can use the wealth that God has given you to be generous uh, in making friends for eternity. So that's the first thing. We should use what we've been given to make friends uh, by winning people to Christ and supporting our brothers and sisters around the world. Next, Jesus says uh, that you and I need to be faithful with what God has entrusted to us. He says in verse 10, Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Uh, And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, he will give you property of your own. Uh, Jesus says that God has entrusted all that we have to us. Uh, In the story that the the servant is not using his own money, uh, he's actually using the money of his master, the money that his master has entrusted to him. And really it's the same uh, for us. Everything that we have has been entrusted to us. Uh, The money and the possessions that we have are, are not really ours, they belong to God. That is, we're stewards, we're managers, not owners. Uh, when I was at uni, uh, my, parents, my parents were very generous to me when I was at uni. They've been generous to me my whole life. But when I was at uni, my parents would give me uh, $40 every week to pay for travel. Uh, and that was just enough to cover my travel expenses of a few dollars left over. Uh, that I could save up and, uh, and you know, buy, buy something special every few weeks. Now, in a sense, once my mum handed me that money, uh, it was mine to do with as I pleased. You know, I could, I could take that 40 bucks and, uh, and blow it all on hats. You know, I could have... Uh, or, or whatever it was. You know, I could spend that money however it was, however I wanted. But in another sense, that money wasn't mine, Right? My parents had given me that money. They'd entrusted that money to me for a purpose. What was the purpose? Well, so I could travel to university so that I could get a degree, so I could get a job and earn a living. But every day, I would walk past Donut King. Uh, At Sydney University, you had to walk, you'd get off the train, and to get to the lecture buildings, you'd have to walk through the Union Building, which was just an enormous four-storey building full of shops, really, of food shops. And every day I'd walk past Donut King and I'd look at the jam and cream eclairs and I'd think, oh, I would love. And I would think about the money that mum and dad had given me for travel and I'd think, oh, I just, 
Just a jam and cream and clear would, would set me up for life. But that wasn't the purpose for which mum and dad had given me that money. And it's the same with God, right? The money that we have isn't ours. It's God's money. Uh, we don't own it. He owns it and he's entrusted it to us for a purpose. So we tend to think that as soon as the money hits our bank account, it's, it's ours, right? It's our money and if, we're, if God's lucky, there's a little bit left for him. But God says, Jesus says, no, it's God's to use for his glory and for his purpose, the purpose for which he has entrusted it uh, it to us. Uh, And that is true no matter how old we are. Uh, So perhaps you've just started your first job uh, or you're thinking about starting your first job. Uh, You need to know that the money that you're earning is is not yours, but it's God's. It doesn't just become God's once you hit the you know kind of an age of responsibility where you get married and you have kids and now there's money for God. That money is God's from the very get-go. Uh, uh, maybe you, you, you've been slaving away uh, for 50 years, saving up for your retirement. You know, you've, you had the financial planners, you know, and, you, and you've worked it all out so that, so that once you finish work, you can put your feet up. Uh, and rest for the next 20 or 30 years. But you need to realise that the money that you stored up, the money that you saved, is not your money. It doesn't stop being God's once it's gone into the bank account, uh, into superannuation. God has entrusted it to you for a purpose. And so the question that we need to be asking ourselves is not, what will I do with my money, or what can I do, But what will I do with God's money and with God's possessions? Every day you and I walk past our own donut kings, whatever it is, you know, we walk past thousands of them. Things that we think, oh, wouldn't that be nice? But we need to remember that God has entrusted the money that he has given to us for a purpose. The question we need to ask is, what has God given this money to me? What's he given it uh, to me to do uh, with So God has entrusted his money to us to be used faithfully for the purposes that he's entrusted it to us. But what's really confusing about this parable, right, is that Jesus is saying we should be faithful with the money that he's entrusted to us right after telling a parable about a guy who's been the complete opposite of faithful uh, with the money that's been entrusted to him. He tells this story about this guy who's just thrown his master's money away and then he says, look, if you're not responsible for, with the money that's been entrusted to you, you're not going to get any more. Like, what? What is going on? How does that work? Uh, it seems the, like the opposite of faithfulness, and it is. And the answer, I think, is, is actually quite simple once you see what Jesus is doing. He's really turning things on their head. And the point is... The point is simply that God wants us to be faithful with what he has entrusted to us, but the way that he wants us to be faithful is by making friends for eternity, using our money to win people to Christ and support our brothers and sisters who are in need. Well, let me put it a different way. Whether squandering your boss's money is faithful or unfaithful, whether that's faithful or unfaithful, depends entirely on the kind of business that your boss is running. 
right? Whether throwing away the money that your boss uh, has entrusted to you, whether throwing that away is faithful or unfaithful, depends on the kind of business that your boss is running. So if God is running a superannuation fund or a bank, uh, then throwing money around and making friends with that money, with the money that people uh, deposit into the bank, throwing that money around is totally unfaithful, right? Uh, Or to use a current example, if your business is to run a postal service uh, in Australia, uh, then throwing the money around making friends by buying $4,000 Cartier watches is not being faithful with the money that's been entrusted to you, right? If that's not the purpose for which it was given to you. But if God is running neither a bank uh, or a postal service, but if God is running a not-for-profit whose aim is to uh, help people by saving, uh, by, by saving them uh, from sin uh, and rescuing them for eternity, then, then throwing money away in order to achieve that purpose is faithful. If God's aim is, uh, if God is running a not-for-profit charity, then faithfulness doesn't look like making more money, saving more money, but faithfulness looks like throwing it away in order to achieve the business's purpose, that is, to save people, to save people to Christ. And Jesus said that's exactly what God is doing, and that's exactly what faithfulness to God with our money looks like. The aim is to use the money that God has given to us to win people for the gospel, recklessly, generously, extravagantly. God is calling us to radical generosity with the money that he has entrusted to us. The guy in this parable is not just giving away a few Big Macs, right? Uh, He's giving away several years' worth of wages, the oil that he gives away is about two to three years' worth of wages. The grain that he gives away is maybe ten years' worth of grain in, in wages. So it's kind of the equivalent of giving away a million bucks. And Jesus says that's the kind of generosity that God wants us to show. That's the kind of generosity that God has shown us. And that's the kind of generosity that we should show too. God has given us so much. He's made this world. He's created us. He's given us all that we need. He's given us the gifts that we have in terms of our abilities. He's given us a wonderful place to live in. But he's done more than that. He's given his own son to die for our sins that we can be reconciled to God. That's the kind of extravagant, self-giving generosity of God. And Jesus says that's the kind of generosity that we should show. We're not being called to pay God back uh, for what he's given to us. We can't pay him back, but he's calling us, having received that radical generosity, to show that kind of radical uh, generosity as well. Uh, God has given us money so that we can be radically generous as he is radically generous. So for us to keep money then and to squirrel it away uh, for ourselves... uh, is to be unfaithful with what God has entrusted to us. But to be generous, really generous, even sometimes recklessly generous, like God has been generous, is to be faithful with what God has given to us. It's not the amount that matters, 
but it's that spirit of radical generosity. You might remember the story of that widow who comes to the temple and puts in two cents. You know, everyone else is putting in uh, you know, lots of money. She puts in a few cents. And Jesus says, I tell you what, she's given more than everybody else because she gave everything that she had to live on. That's radical generosity. She gave everything that she had to, to live on. And that's a kind of radical generosity that God is calling us to show also. So we're to use worldly wealth that God has given us radically generously to win people for the gospel, to support our brothers and sisters who are in need. Finally, Jesus says, we have to make a choice. Verse 13, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We have to choose, Jesus says. You can't serve two things at once. You can't serve God and money at the same time. I think most of us probably want to try and do that. We want to try and find a middle way, somewhere between those two extremes. I, you know, maybe I can't serve God all the time and I don't want to serve money, but maybe there's just this path in the middle that I could find and that would kind of just satisfy God and I could keep a little bit of the serving money on the side. But Jesus says we can't do it. We can't do it because God and money are telling us to do completely different things. Money is saying to us, keep me, use me, enjoy yourself, do it, love yourself, you're worth it. God is saying, be radically generous. Give it up. Serving money means being tight-fisted, doing what makes us happy. Serving God means being radically generous radically generous and so the question that we need to ask ourselves is which one of those two are we serving which one of those two are you serving are you serving god or are you serving money and that's not a question that you need to go home and sit in a chair and kind of philosophize about and think i wonder what i'm serving you can you can observe which one of those two that you're serving by looking at the cold hard facts by looking at where your money goes. How much of that money goes to gospel ministry? How much of that money goes to brothers and sisters in need? And what order do you prioritize those things in? You know, is it fun, necessities, God? Or is it maybe God, necessities, fun, what's left over. Even if you think you know where your money is going, it's good uh, regularly, you know, maybe every few months, every six months, every year, to sit down and to, to look at where your money is going and to pray about where you think the best place uh, that your money can go really is. If you're married, you should do that together with your spouse. Uh, if you have kids, that would be a great thing to do with them, to sit down and to think about where does the family money go. Kids, this is, where, this, this is the money that's coming into our house and this is where the money is going. And to sit down with them and to, and to help them to think, what money are you earning and where is that money going? And to pray through as a family where God would have you use generously and extravagantly the money that he's given to you. You can use that sheet uh, with the 
with the organisations on it as a way of thinking about where you might use that money. Uh, but I encourage you to actually sit down and to take those steps and to do that, not just today, but to do it regularly. The money that you have and that I have is not our own, but God has entrusted it to us as managers, not owners, as stewards uh, to use for his purposes, to use extravagantly and generously by winning people for Christ uh, and showing generous support to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for your generosity to us. Lord, we thank you for this world. We just look around uh, at everything that you've created. Uh, Lord, the sun which rises every day. Uh, Lord, uh, the air that we breathe, the food that we eat. And Lord, we know that here, particularly in Australia uh, and here in Launceston, we are particularly blessed. Uh, Lord, we have so much more than we need and uh, we are able to enjoy good, uh, the good gifts that you have given to us in creation. Uh, but Lord, we know that uh, there are many around the world who are not so uh, fortunate and Lord, we pray that you would help us not to forget them. Uh, and Lord, we pray that you would help us not to forget the reason for which you have entrusted us with these good gifts uh, so that we can be generous uh, Lord, you could have uh, given uh, directly to others all that they need, but in your wisdom, you've given things to us in order that we might be able to share it with them so that we might be able to be part of your generosity. Uh, and yet, Lord, so often we hold those things tightly to ourselves uh, and we satisfy our own wants and needs and desires Lord, we just pray you'd forgive us for that in Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the free and full forgiveness that comes in the cross of Christ. Uh, but Lord, we also pray for uh, the power of his resurrection uh, through the Holy Spirit to transform us and transform our desires and our loves uh, so that we would serve you and not money, so that we would be radically generous. Lord, we just pray that for each one of us, you would help us to know what that is, what that looks like, uh, what it means to be faithful in the responsibilities that you've given to us as parents uh, or as a husband and wife or in whatever situation of life that we're in. Uh, Lord, help us to know what it looks like to be responsible but then also to be radically generous uh, to those in need, radically generous in order to win people for the sake of Christ. Lord, give us that future eternal perspective. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.